Revelation 22, verses 1 to 5. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing out of the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Let me pray. Father God, we pray for you to be at work by your spirit, through your word, in our hearts today. And we pray that you would change us. And we know that only you can do that um, with your words. I pray for Sam as he speaks. Pray that you would um, uh, thrill his heart again with what he's speaking of and the hope that it gives to him. And we pray that we would have ears that are open and hearts that are ready to Uh, receive and and to respond to your word Uh, we pray for our children thank you that they will be looking at this as well and pray for tom as he explains it to them pray let's have a really great time really uh, enjoyable time hearing what you're you're going to be doing and what you have already done we pray all these things in jesus name amen right happy days um keep your uh, keep your Bibles open in front of you uh, at Revelation 22. As weird, someone said to me, um, it's Commission Sunday is about, as Rob's already said, thinking about the network of churches and, and just praising God for the network of ter- churches that we're part of. This morning I was at uh, All Saints in Wandsworth, um, and it's just great to know that they'll be praying for us this week, um, and that um, I was able to share with this with them as well. And someone said to me afterwards, no one ever preaches on heaven. So, uh, no pressure. <laughs> um, Rob's already prayed for us, so let's, let's get started. Um, lots of people here got children, or lots of people here have uh, things to do with children. And there's a philosophy that says, uh, if, if your children are happy, then parents are happy. If the children are happy, then the parents are happy. Uh, I, think, I think there's some truth in this. We love, we love to see children thrive. We love to see children do well. Um, but also, we hate to see children suffering. We hate to see it when our children are unwell, when they might get a bit older and grow up and they feel burdened by what's going on in the world. Maybe their school's overwhelming. And often, as, as parents or as people who work with children, we try and take that pain away. And we often do that unsuccessfully. Uh, and I think that the, the worst times, or the most difficult times with children are in the night. And even as a, as a child yourself, like, night times can be really difficult. Um, being awake with a child um, at 2 o'clock in the morning that won't go to sleep is, is not very nice. Not, you wouldn't bump into someone and say to them, oh, what's your hobby? Oh, yeah, my hobby is uh, being awake with screaming children at 2 o'clock in the morning. I love it. It just doesn't happen. But the reality is it's not just crying babies at two o'clock in the morning that's difficult. Life is full of things that wear us down. Life is full of disappointment, 
things that we might get excited about, but actually when they're gone, we, uh, we feel a bit let down. Life is full of broken relationships. Maybe our, our partners, our, our friends, our family. Life is full of darkness. And, and the, reason that, the reason that all this is sounding a bit morbid is that we live in a broken world. We live in a world that's been spoiled by sin. And the reality is our city, our city, London, is broken. The 2021 census data, which uh, is starting to come out now, it's quite interesting online, uh, showed that 40% of the 9 million people in London uh, wrote their religion down as Christian. And I imagine the reality is actually far less. And what that means is that at least 60%, 5.4 million people, at least 60% of the people that walk the streets of our city do not have the hope that we've read about in this passage. And that doesn't include tourists, it doesn't include people who come and work in London. So, a bit of a morbid start. But this passage gives us so much hope. It's a passage of restoration. It's a restoration that is our hope as God's people who live in a city with no hope. And it's a restoration that needs sharing to people who think that the London dream is all that there is. The people who think that the London dream is their life. And so as the angel, this part of Revelation is about an angel taking John through this vision of heaven. And as the angel takes John through this vision of heaven, let's let our hearts be guided by the Holy Spirit to see how beautiful it really, really is. And then we can leave here with a renewed hope that we don't want to shut up about. And if you're hearing this as someone who isn't a Christian, then this is the hope that you need. So the angel uh, shows John three things about heaven. Three things that God has restored through Jesus. And the first one is the restoration of true life. The restoration of true life. Let's look at verse 1 and 2 of Revelation 22. It says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now, to help us see how incredible this really is, we actually need to um, look at what was lost. Because the beauty of this vision at the end of the Bible actually starts at the beginning of the Bible. Um, So let's turn to Genesis 2. And in Genesis 2, we're going to see that Adam and Eve were living true life. Have a look at me with what that looked like for them. Um, Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. What page? Page 2. Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. God has just made man, and it says, And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east. And there he put the man he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. 
The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden and there it divided and became four rivers. It's paradise. It's paradise. God is living with man on the earth and they have access to every good thing they could need including the tree of life which means that in their current state they would live forever in paradise but we know that that's not how it ended up because in the next chapter we've got this sad story of when sin enters the world through Adam and Eve Um, To summarize, that the devil comes in the form of a snake and, and tempts Eve to eat of the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. The one tree they were not allowed to eat from. And she eats it and she gives some to Adam. And immediately they understand what sin is. And immediately the darkness of bad, wrong, evil sin enters the world. And God punishes them because he is just. And the final act of these punishments is to drive them out from the paradise that he has made. And let's look at the reason why. Genesis 3, just just look forward to Genesis 3 and verse 22. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man and at the east of the garden of Eden he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So God is is punishing them but he's also protecting them. He's protecting them from from living in this state of knowing what good and evil is and living like that forever. And so he sends them out and the moment that God sends them out from the garden, they are destined to die. And that's been the case ever since. As soon as we are born into this world, we are destined to die. Death is a sad fact of our lives. We, We grieve those who die. In 2020, in the middle of the the coronavirus pandemic, 59,000 people died in London. So, let's go back to Revelation 22. Isn't it so wonderful, it's so wonderful, that what we read here, in this new heaven and new earth, there is a river carrying the water of life. And this river is flowing from the throne of God and from the Lamb. That's Jesus. God is the one who brings true life to this city. He is the source of eternal life. God is once again dwelling with his people, bringing life to the very center of heaven. And that's not all, because either side of the river is the tree of life. But this time, there's no flaming sword blocking the way. This tree is open to all who dwell in the city with continuous fruit to be eaten all year round and enjoyed. And what that means is that what God blocked Adam and Eve from has been restored. So he's once once again allowing access to the tree of life and the nations are destined to live. Once again it is possible 
to dwell with God and have true life forever and ever. The BBC, they published their list of uh, notable deaths of 2022 uh, a few weeks ago. You might be able to guess who's on there. The Queen. Pele. Yeah, Pele. Any more? The, the, the ex-pope, yeah, the ex-pope, uh, Dame Olivia Newton-John, Angela Lansbury, Robbie Coltrane, me, there's many, many more. It was a very long list. I stopped scrolling. But what I wondered was, how many of those people feared death? And how many of those people knew that after death, eternal life is possible through Jesus? And I wonder how many of you here fear death. And I wonder how many of you here really know that after death on this earth, eternal life is possible through Jesus. You see, the devil, the devil convinced Eve that she would find true life through disobeying God. The reality was separation from God and loss of eternal life. And people will try and convince you where true life is to be found. Whatever makes you feel good. Whatever's trending on TikTok or Instagram or whatever. Whatever makes you successful in your job or your marriage. And the reality of those things is if you set your hope on those, they will separate you from God. And cause you to lose your life. Because if you die separated from God then you will spend eternity separated from God in hell. So this passage, it shows us where true life is going to be in the city of God, living with God at the centre, drinking from the river of life and eating from the tree of life. And those of us who are part of God's family have received that and we get, we get little glimpses and tastes of this even in this life now. But it's going to be so, so much better. And how much should we want to share that with those that we know are destined for eternal death? So we have the restoration of true life. Secondly, is the restoration of perfect relationship with God. The restoration of perfect relationship with God. Look at verse 3 of Revelation 22. It says, No longer will there be anything cursed. But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. You see, what happened in Genesis 3 was the first broken relationship with God. As sin entered the world, Adam and Eve could no longer dwell in Eden with a perfectly good God. And so, as we've already seen, they were driven out of paradise. And part of this broken relationship, part of sin coming into the world, meant that Adam and Eve had to live in a cursed world. So after cursing the snake, let's go back to Genesis 3. Genesis 3 verse 16. Let's look at what God says. Genesis 3 verse 16. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, 
and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust. And to dust you shall return. And so as sin enters the world. And this first broken relationship with God happens. So we see the first evidence of the curse of sin. The hurt and pain of having children. And the difficulty of trying to survive off the land. The difficulty of trying to make a living. And the curse of sin does not stop there. Because throughout the Bible we see it again and again. Uh, And here's a few examples of of people who are born into sin. And trying to live their lives separated from God. The Tower of Babel. People worshipping the golden calf at the foot of Mount Sinai. The repeated evil kings of Israel and Judah. The evil of the Jews who rejected their Messiah Jesus and the Romans who crucified him and the sin of those persecuting the early church. And that's just a few examples. And ever since that point in Genesis 3, we as human beings are born into a world full of sin. And we feel it. Whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, we know that life is hard. We know the world is full of hurt and pain. You can't argue with that. London is full of hurt and pain. People's lives torn apart by drugs and alcohol. The curse of domestic violence. The devastation of homelessness on the streets. The stress of trying to make enough money to pay the bills. The fear of the landlord knocking on the door to chuck you out. The grief of those who have lost loved ones. So again, look at, look at Revelation 22. Look at how incredible it is to read the hope in verse 3. No longer will there be anything cursed. No longer will there be anything cursed. We read in in chapter 21, a bit more detail of this, it says, God will wipe away every tear from their eye. And there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things, the cursed order of things, has gone. Praise the Lord. And there will be the throne of God and of the Lamb. And the people there will be worshipping him. We who are saved will be worshipping him. The whole of this incredible city will be like one huge temple. With the sole aim of glorifying the one who sits on the throne. And in perfect harmony, as we gaze upon the face of the Lamb who was slain for us, who made this perfect relationship possible, we will know that we belong to him, because his name will be on our foreheads. The relationship with God that Adam and Eve lost will be restored. And nothing will get in the way of us worshipping God like it does now. So often our sinful hearts, we don't feel like praying, we don't feel like singing, and so often we prioritize other stuff rather than worship God. Not in heaven. Not in heaven. Our hearts will be free of the curse of sin, and our one desire will be to worship God forever and ever. What a beautiful thing to look forward to when our city is hurting so much. 
What a beautiful thing to fuel our worship for God now. And what a beautiful thing to tell others about. And then the third thing that the angel shows John, the third thing that is restored. Verse 5, the restoration of light. Verse 5 says, a night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun. For the Lord God will be their light. And they will reign forever and ever. You see, darkness is something that lots of people are scared of. Some of you might be scared of the dark. The night is a time when lots of people are full of fear and worry and hurt, especially, like I said earlier, if you have sick children. Night is a time when crime tends to happen more. Night is a time when people, especially women, feel scared to walk the streets of our city. We all know the feeling of a tough night, tossing and turning in bed, just waiting. Waiting for the morning. Because with the morning comes the rising of the sun, or at least some sort of vague light in the sky. (laughs) A new day. And this restoration becomes even more incredible as we read that the darkness of night will be no more. And no, no more night means continuous day. Continuous light. And this isn't light as we know it. In fact, not only will there be no more night, but there will be no more lamps and no more torches and no more candles and no more LEDs and no more headlights and no more sun. How is this possible? Because in verse 5 it says, how is it possible? Because God is there. The never-ending presence of the light of the world is going to be seated on the throne. God is light. The Bible says God is light and in him is no darkness. So as he is at the center of heaven, there's no need for any other sort of light. Because he's there and he's not going anywhere and neither are we. Timothy, um, in his letter, describes the light of God as unapproachable. Not anymore. In heaven, it's accessible to all. Eternal light radiating forth from the throne. Uh, Revelation 21 gives us a bit more detail on this again. Revelation 21 verse 22 says, I, John, did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of the God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut. There is no night there. So we have restoration of a right relationship with God. We will get to stand in his presence. With his light radiating for us to see the true light that we have been saved to. And you might be hearing this and think. That's all very well and good. But how could someone like me, with all the things I've said and all the things I've thought and all the rubbish things I've done, how could I ever get somewhere as pure as this place? I'll tell you how. It's not possible by any human act. In fact, there's only one criteria for entering this city, and it's in the verse just before the bit that we read for our passage today. Have a look at Revelation 21, verse 27. 
It says, nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So as we stand as sinful, impure human beings, we could never enter the purity of God's city. As we stand as as deceitful people, detestable people who are born into broken relationship, we've got no right to be allowed into heaven. And the only way that God could ever restore all of this would be if sin was dealt with once and for all. The debt of sin that caused Adam and Eve to be separated for God, that needs to be paid. And it was paid by Jesus. And the reason that true life can be restored is because Jesus was willing to give up his true life in heaven. He left his eternal home. He came to earth born as a baby. We've just been celebrating it. He lived on earth to grow up but was destined to die. To die on a cross so that we might be restored to eternal life. The reason that that mankind's broken relationship with God can be restored is because Jesus was willing to endure his own broken relationship with God because Jesus was the only human being ever to grow up and live a perfect relationship but as he died on that cross and took the weight of our sin upon his shoulders his father turned his face away from him and he cried out my God my God why have you forsaken me And the reason that we have a hope of dwelling in the eternal light of God is because Jesus was willing to go through darkness for us. Jesus, the light of the world, entered the very depths of darkness on the cross as he took our wrong thoughts, our adultery, our lust, our coveting, our lies, our sin upon himself so that we can one day bask in the eternal light of God and the lamb who was slain. So that we can be born into a restored relationship with God. Born again. Into a restored relationship that will one day be fulfilled to perfection. In this city. Because if you trust in Jesus. Then your name is written in his book. The lamb's book of life. And only those whose name is written in the lamb's book of life can enter this city and Jesus invites you if your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life Jesus invites you to trust in him he invites you with his own words in John's gospel he says whoever drinks the water I give to them will never thirst indeed the water I give them will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life and Jesus says he says I am the way the truth and the life No one comes to the Father. No one comes to this relationship with the Father except through me. And he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And if you trust in him, that life, that eternal relationship with God, that light is yours. And if that's something you want to do, Please tell someone today. Tell me, tell Rob, Hannah, Kenny, Gemma. Tell a Christian friend. And even in your heart now, tell Jesus that you trust him. Tell Jesus that you're sorry 
for the wrong things you've done and tell Jesus that you want to live for him. And even as Christians, we can look at this vision of heaven and we can think, well, it's all very nice, but it's a mile away from the reality of what's around us now. It's a mile away from the reality of my life. And you're right. This is not a vision of the city of London. But God has placed us in London. And God has called us to live here. God has called us to come to Beckentree Church. That's his will for us. And what we want to be doing as Beckentree Church, what co-mission churches across London want to be doing, is showing those in London that whilst it is a great city, it is full of darkness. And then telling them that there is a way to a perfect city. A way made by Jesus and his sacrifice. Telling our city that, that the true life that London offers again and again and disappoints can be replaced. We're replaced by eternal life that is beyond our imagination. Telling our city that there is a place where its broken relationships, both physical and spiritual, can be replaced by a perfect relationship with God who has loved us unconditionally even after we haven't acknowledged him or even worse, have rejected him. And telling our city that there is a place where there will be no more darkness, no more night, because the evil in this world will one day be no more. We need to show that to London. We need to show that to the people around us. We need to show people that they need Jesus to restore them to this inheritance. And our hope in what we've read today should fuel our evangelism, should fuel our telling. Because this indescribable beauty will one day be the reality of those of us that know and love Jesus. And we know that Jesus has made a way to get there. So we should talk about it. If you went on an all-inclusive five-star holiday to Gran Canaria, you would talk about it. In fact, your friends would get fed up of hearing you talk about your holiday. Surely, how much more should we be talking about heaven? And some of us, we've heard this challenge a thousand times. I've heard this challenge a thousand times. And yet we still don't do it. We still hold back from having conversations about Jesus. And the devil, he loves that. He loves it when our earthly pride, or whatever it is that stops us, gets us in the way of talking about Jesus. And we hear sermons, we hear sermons that tell us we need to talk about Jesus, and we tick a box in our head. And some of you might have already ticked that box today. We tick a box that says, oh yes, I mentioned Jesus this week. Or, oh oh yes, I talked about church this week. But we haven't really said anything other than a passing statement that quickly gets brushed over. And I'm not saying that God can't use those. But we haven't necessarily sat down with our friends and family that don't love Jesus. Who we care about and love so deeply and said, look. This world hurts. This world is full of pain. This is where I find my hope. We haven't sat down with our friend who is is hurting and grieving and said, look, I'm hurting with you, but this is where true hope is found. And it's those sort of conversations that we need to have. And this is hard. 
This is so hard to do, especially if we try and do it in our own strength. We need God's help to do this just as much as London needs to hear God's message. And we need to be praying again and again and again that God, by his spirit in our lives, would give us opportunities to share, to share the hope we have in him, to make the gospel known. But I hope that what we've seen today has helped. Helped to fuel our excitement, our wonder, our passion for sharing the gospel, our passion for telling others the good news that God could use to bring them to his throne one day, to serve him forever and ever. Imagine if we could see our non-Christian friends in the place where eternal life is found. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, stir our hearts. Holy Spirit, give us a passion, a passion to take our hope in heaven, our beautiful inheritance that we've read about today, and turn it into to something that makes us want to share, that makes us want to tell people about you. Lord, help us this week as we go back into our workplaces, our school, our homes, our, with our next door neighbours. Help us, Lord, to have conversations. Give us boldness to talk about you. Give us boldness to see the people in our lives that, are, that don't have this city as their, their eternal hope. And give us boldness to share your word with them. Lord, I pray that our changed hearts would lead to other people having changed hearts, would lead to other people coming to know and love you, would lead to commission churches all across London, people all across London coming to know and love you this week, that you would bear fruit from this message being taught across our city. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Sam. Um, what we're going to do is uh, turn to the person just next to you. Um, if you're, you don't want to pray, that's, that's fine. Just, just mention one or two things to them. Have a little chat about um, something that struck you from what we heard. Um, but if you, if you do want to pray together um, uh, for some of the things, the challenge of, that we've been hearing, um, and also the, uh, the renewed hope that we have um, in this and the vision of heaven, uh, why don't we share that with one another So in prayer? Um, so bring that to the Lord in prayer. Um, and we'll just do that for the next five minutes. Um, so turn to the person next to you. Great.